Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Believe in the Jaguars podcast right here on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your co-host Phil Smith, aka Phil the Filipino, and I am joined as always by my co-host. He is James Johnson, the managing editor of the Jaguars Wire of USA Today. Jay, really, really excited to be back in the studio with you and record everybody a brand new, fresh episode. Yeah, man, absolutely, man. Get a second week in a row going here with some content that we were able to find on the web. Uh, So we got some interesting topics once again. And uh, as usual, everybody, we appreciate the support. That's right, guys. And of course, we want to mention that wherever you are, we hope that you're being safe and wear a mask when you go out. I don't know why that has become such a controversial statement, (laughs) but go out there, take care of yourself and take care of others if you have to leave the house at all. But that being said, Jay, yeah, we do have a really, really great show for them uh, that we have uh, combed the internet for (laughs) for uh, um, stuff to talk about. And I think we found some really, really great content to deliver them. So we're going to get started here in just a moment. Before we begin, we want to give a special thanks to those of you who have supported the show and went over to Apple Podcasts to leave us a review If you could do that, subscribe and leave us a rating. That's one of the best ways you can support the show. We bring that up because the more reviews that we get, the higher up that will appear on the podcast charts. And of course, that can, you know, that's only bringing good things our way. So we really, really appreciate that. Along with Apple Podcasts, we're also available on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can also find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts. You can find myself on Twitter at PhilTheFilipino, F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O. Jay is over at sportsgrind underscore Don, and you can reach out to the show's Twitter account at Believe in Jags Pod. So, Jay, let's get into a few quick hits here. Uh, before, Actually, before we do that, I want to give a really, really special shout out to Shant Club NFL, which is Pete Bettman and Nick Cork, uh, Robson Kitely, uh, as well as Andrew Eshman of the Jags Roar podcast. Jay, we had a really, really fun and awesome opportunity to hop on the show with them this past weekend. And it was a great opportunity to, um, you know, give them a little bit of insight on how things go or how things work with the Jaguars over here, but also get some a, a little bit of uh, experience from the UK fans, which is something we've been wanting to do for a really, really long time. So shouts out to all those guys, because, Jay, I know how I had a uh, a blast. Yeah, man, I did, too. I've listened to it or listened back to it at least like twice not the whole thing, but because, you know, we were going on for like two hours, man. When you get to talking football with some people uh, that love football as much as you do, you know, you kind of get to rambling and so on and so forth. But, uh, yeah, I have like listened to it uh, or kind of like skimmed through it at least twice thoroughly on the conversations and what have you, man. I really enjoyed that, man. felt like a, kind of a around the horn type of deal that they got going on over there at Shant Club. We appreciate the guys having us on and we appreciate the support they've been giving us as well because, you know, they were 
telling us that they listened to the pod. They were telling us that they also go to the site. So uh, I was glad to come on and uh, hopefully we can link up with them again in the future. Absolutely. And just a special shout out to Robson, who has uh, who reached out to us and, you know, try and got put all this together pretty much. So we really, really appreciate him. And make sure you check out one of the latest episodes of the Jaguar podcast with Andrew, because he just had Juan Smoot on. And that was a really, really great episode. So shouts out to all of our fellow content creators and, you know, just really, really love the opportunity to collaborate with you guys. And again, thank you so much for having us on. But let's move on to some quick hits. As I mentioned here before, Jay, I'm just going to rattle off a couple of stories and, uh, you know, we'll talk about, you know, whatever we like to discuss after that. The Jaguars have come to terms with rookie defensive tackle Devon Hamilton. The now brings uh, brings it to four of their 12-man draft class that has been signed. Uh, Perfield Yates, the team came to terms uh, with uh, Devon Hamilton, who is now the highest selection to sign. Hamilton's deal is a four-year deal that will present him with the opportunity to earn $4.82 million over the course of the deal. Of course, he was the 73rd overall pick to help bolster the Jags' defensive line. Big things expected out of the big man uh, coming out of Ohio State, so really excited to see him out in the field. It was announced that there will only be two preseason games in 2020. So the league will be doing without week one and week four of the preseason. So that means that eliminates the Carolina Panthers and the Atlanta Falcons off of the preseason list. Jay, this doesn't really surprise me too, too much, uh, especially since, you know, we are in Florida down here in the South where it's become a little bit of a hotbed, especially for, you know, COVID-19. I don't think really too many of the players are going to be upset about it, but uh, at least, uh, you know, the more established players. However, you one of the things about the preseason that a lot of, you know, players that are kind of on the lower rung talk about is preseason is an opportunity for them to present themselves. So, uh, Jay, I'm really I'm interested to see what your thoughts are on that. And last but not least here, the NFL does expect training camp to start on time for the Jaguars. That will mean Tuesday, July 28th will be the day in which training camp is set to start. Of course, rookies will likely have to report a few days prior. As we've seen under normal circumstances, uh, in a tweet from Ian Rappaport, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell on a conference call says the plan is to start training camp on time and, quote, get ready for games at our stadiums and to engage our fans both in stadiums and through our media partners. End quote. Talks ongoing with NFLPA to decide the specifics. Of course, the facility will be following a league protocol that includes reconfigured locker rooms for the sake of social distancing, frequent cleaning of protective padding, the requirement of masks, and much, much more. So, Jay, there's a couple of quick hits here that we just wanted to throw out before we get into our two main topics. Uh, So what about those specific stories uh, stood out to you that you'd like to discuss before we get started? Uh, Yeah, so when looking at, uh, I guess I'll start with the preseason uh, announcement. You know, I don't think any of us are surprised. We were thinking they either go without the preseason as a whole or just uh, cut it in half, which is what they did. They cut it in half. So now the Jags will be going against the Bucks. They'll have to travel on that trip. So, I mean, the good thing about that is, uh, you know, while, as you said, Florida is a hotbed for COVID and they'll be remaining in the state of Florida, uh, it's just a quick trip. So that's the good thing about that. And then uh, Washington will have to come to them at TIAA Bank Field. So, you know, like you said, a lot of people on the lower rung of the roster, they might have complaints about it uh, while others might not. But I think if there's any positive we could take out of it is that, you know, the team can maybe go into the regular season with a final 53 that's predominantly healthy with 
two time uh two less preseason games and you know they the the league has been or at least the players have been in the NFLPA they kind of have wanted to cut down a preseason because they are they feel like the regular season is already taxing albeit now the preseason you see coaches don't really put out uh the starters like that you know they play them on a limited basis but still you know you've had some people open about like at least cutting out a preseason or uh reducing the preseason and uh you know, courtesy of COVID, that's what they're doing this year. Um, I think like it's in the in the new CBA that they might be cutting the preseason next year as well. Um, under the CBAs, you know, that was just kind of something that they worked into the CBA, not because of COVID. So I think next year they'll be uh, going through similar circumstances, if I can recall. I have to look that up. But on Devon Hamilton, not much to say there. Uh, glad that they got one of their top three or top four in this case, because they had two first round picks to get one of their top four draft picks uh, signed. Of course, this year it'll be a little bit different with the signings. It'll be a little slower than usual. By now, all of the picks are normally, you know, pretty much signed or, you know, a little bit before mini camp or whatever the case may be before they put on pads. But again, they didn't have mini camp. They didn't have OTAs. This isn't a usual year. Uh, maybe teams will be holding out you know, until more along the lines of before training camp, which is for the Jags, June or July the 28th. So, you know, along the lines of July the 28th, you'll see some more of those guys get uh, signed. As you said, it's eight remaining. Uh, Devon Hamilton makes the fourth, and he's a guy that could be competing or should be competing to start, actually. Uh, If they don't put Al Woods, the veteran, in there, it's him that'll be starting that nose tackle to kind of uh, take Marcel Darius's place. So we'll, that'll be something to watch in the preseason between those two. On training camp, that was to be expected as well. You know, the NFL has been trying to, you know, basically assure people that the season will start on time because you look around the world, the NBA say they're coming back. Uh, NASCAR has been back. EPL is going on. Um, and, you know, the NFL and the MLB is coming back. So the NFL don't, you know, they don't, want to be left out of the party so to speak so they've been kind of hammering this message that yes we're going to have the season on time you know it might be some things that we do differently like we mentioned with the preseason but we're going to have the season on time and that's going to start with players reporting to training camp on like I said the July the 28th uh, which is when all of the veterans have to be there the rookies will probably be there sooner we'll have that information when the Jacksonville Jaguars PR department gets it to us. Yeah, Jay, I believe the term that a lot of national pundits have been using on like ESPN and Fox Sports and stuff like that is the NFL has had the longest runway, of course, with them being in the offseason. They did have to alter the NFL draft. And for all intents and purposes, that worked out very, very well for them. And so it's not really a surprise that they're planning on moving forward. Uh, all systems go, I guess, is the way that I will put it, um, because, you know, these NFL owners are going to pretty much do anything they have to to make sure that their bottom line isn't affected in any kind of negative way. But I don't know, man, just, you know, you being in Georgia, me being here in, in Florida. And I think it's going to be I can't remember. I think it was Rod Rodney Harrison. Jay, I'm not sure if you saw this quote from him, but just talking about, you know, how physical, of course, this game is. And I think he came out and said he's not 100 percent sure how a season is going to be played, given everything that is going on right now with the pandemic. I don't know that it's going to go that far, but I do think that there is a possibility that at some point during this season, there is going to be a a large group of players, 
on a team that that may test positive and also what happens when you know however many fans they allow into a stadium test positive as well i would be interested to see how the numbers have been looking at nascar events i believe they've been letting fans in i have not looked into that but i don't know man we'll see uh, i think there's definitely a lot that needs to fall into place before i'm incredibly confident about going forward and saying yes there's going to be an nfl season but you know we will have plenty of discussions on that you know heading going forward but let's move on to our last two top or our, our primary topics i should say here jay so this first story we're going to cover is something that came in over the last week from nfl insider field gates and it, it concerns yannick Ngakwe now as of right now, it doesn't appear that anything has changed. Uh, ESPN's Jeremy Fowler uh, tweeted out, I'm told nothing has changed with his stance. He still desires a trade and doesn't have immediate plans to sign the tag. This could lead well into training camp, absent deal with a new team. So, Jay, earlier in the week, I did talk to you about, you know, if if Jan is really going to sit out and, you know, miss out on any money whatsoever, would he really do that? Would he really go the route of a Le'Veon Bell. And I'll let you talk to that, talk about that here in just a moment. But I do want to discuss the specifics of that trade that was mentioned. And basically what the deal was is a deal with the Cleveland Browns that would send Yannick Ngakwe to Cleveland. In return, we would receive tight end David Njoku, as well as a 2021 second round pick as compensation. When this came up, I admittedly was not the biggest fan of it. And Joku has definitely flashed. I believe he was uh, played with injuries last year. I don't think he played the full season, uh, but the Browns do now have Austin Hooper coming in. You know, you, a lot of people talk about that Browns roster, specifically the offense is just loaded and how, you know, there's only one football. So, you know, maybe this is something that they would consider. So what are your thoughts on this as far as Jan? You know, what I asked you earlier in the week, is he really going to miss out on, you know, earning any money this season? And also, what did you think about this potential or this trade that was thrown out by Field Yates? Yeah, on on Jan, first and foremost, I'll start with if I think he'll sit out. Uh, I'm still, I'm kind of on the fence on it, but I'm, I'm still along the lines of uh, I'll believe it when I see it type of thing because I, I still just keep going back to, and it's not even optimism about him coming back, but it's just, what he's earned, you know what I'm saying? They kind of milked him to the, they did. It's no kind in it. They milked him to the end of that rookie deal. They basically got away with letting him be a starter for dirt cheap longer than they should have. And, you know, I just, I, I just questioned whether he could just let $18 million like that go down the drain. And, and need I remind you, you know, that's guaranteed money. And then it's also guaranteed in case of injury, of course. And then like me and you have discussed too, you know, I know there's concerns for the coronavirus as well. You know, he's probably thinking like, hey man, it could be a risk in the sense of me getting sick as well if I go out there. But, you know, in that case, you know, I would think that if he gets sick, that covers the 18 million as well. You know, he or in this case, he'll kind of get sick days or whatever the case may be. So that being said, man, like just looking at his career earnings and need I remind you, his career earnings might not even be accurate, by the way, because, you know, over the cap and spot track or spoke track, however they pronounce it, you know, those are estimations. And not only are there estimations too. another thing that I've mentioned in the past, too, is, you know, you got to factor in that maybe Yan got fined last year from, you know, with Tom Coughlin, especially in-house 
So he might have made less than the four point five million or whatever he was supposed to make under that rookie deal. He might have made less than that because he may have had to pay the NFL money back. So that being said, you know, I don't I don't know if he could pass up on that kind of money a little bit under eighteen million. And he's just from what he's proven to us over the years in terms of his work ethic, too. You know, I don't know if it's in him and he can he can really, you know, he could prove me wrong on this. Don't get me wrong. He might, you know, he might go the route and stay at home and just say, you know, bump it, you know, and just go into this this um this stare down with the Jaguars, I guess, if you will. But, yeah, when you just look at his work ethic, I don't know that is in him. You know, this guy's like literally every video you see, every tweet you see, well, at least before this year, it was him working out, whatever the case may be. This could be a case of him, you know, sitting at home and, and feeling like, okay, yeah, I initially I had my mindset on sitting out this season, but like I miss football just that much, you know? So maybe we could see a case of that. Uh, But right now I'm along the lines of, I, I think, uh, he's not going to leave that money on the table and he'll play. But again, like that's not a surefire thing. You know, there are some question marks on that as well. Now, in terms of, um, yeah, in terms of the trade, I mean, I think that was a trade. I actually liked it. I'll say that I like the trade, but I don't think that's a likely scenario, especially right now, because, the thing about David and Joku is, you know, when you bring in David and Joku, they already signed Tyler Eifert. They're getting James O'Shaughnessy back from um, from IR, and they're getting back Josh Oliver Oliver from IR. Now, all we heard last year was how how high this team is on Josh Oliver. This Josh Oliver that. So, you know, I think like they're just simply too high on Josh Oliver, who's also a young tight end as well, uh, to even make a trade like that. At least, you know, the one that's presented in the article by Phil Yates. Um, now, if we get now, that's a that's a trade. I thought about this. That's a trade that, you know, you get into the season and you're coming up on the trade deadline. And like you said, now, there could be issues with COVID where, you know, maybe some tight ends get sick or whatever the case may be. We're going to pray that that's not the case. And we're going to pray that nobody in the league in general gets sick. Uh, but we know that it's pretty much, uh, you know, there's going to be some cases, with, especially with, that many people being uh, interactive with each other and so on and so forth now, but you can get in a situation where you may need a David and Joku. You may need to make that trade and Yan sitting at home and, you know, he's healthy, you know, maybe out of desperation, you make that happen and you get the, I think you said it was a second round pick for, uh, so maybe then if you're, you're dealing with some injuries or you're dealing with COVID and like I said, Tyler Eifert, me, you have talked about this in the past. He's not the healthiest tight end to be honest with you. So, you know, it might be a situation where he's going to miss four weeks or whatever the case may be. Again, we're not going to hope for injury and we're going to knock on wood that he stays healthy. But, you know, to say that we're going into this thing confident that he's going to be 100% healthy, I don't think nobody is, That at least anybody that has watched Tyler Eifert's career. So maybe that's like one of those mid-season trades you could see going down where the Jags see that Yan's not going to come in and you know, out of desperation, they need a new tight end uh, because they're that tight end or, or somebody in the tight end room is either ill or injured. But aside from that, I don't think the Jaguars would like that trade for the simple fact that they're super high on Josh Oliver, uh, who is a guy that, you know, probably, you know, I would say Jay Groom's going to try and utilize 
a lot into this offense, albeit Tyler Eifert is the guy that knows the system and so on and so forth. Uh, Josh Oliver is kind of that athlete that you can kind of use in a variety of ways. Right. I'm right there with you, Jay. I think they really, really like Josh Oliver. And I think that is going to really present itself when the season starts. Now, to give you guys a little bit of a teaser, next week, we're going to have my co-host for my other show, which is the Wait For a Podcast, uh, Eric Cerna. We're going to have him on next week, and we're going to talk about uh, Jaguar hot takes for next season. And to give you guys a little bit of a teaser, I, I'm very high on Josh Oliver, and I think the team is just to kind of give you an idea of where I'm going to be heading, Jay. We have not told each other what these takes are going to be, so it's going to be really exciting to see it unfold on the air. But that being said, yeah, I could certainly see it going down. Like, say, if we get into the season, you know, it's week five. Jan, of course, still hasn't reported in this scenario. You know, God forbid, you know, Eifert goes down, you know, Josh Oliver is is hurt or, you know, or you only have, you know, a few tight ends on the roster. Then maybe you pull the trigger on something like this. And at that point, the, the I, I guess the, the thing would be a little bit worrisome at that time. Does that second round pick now become something else? Now, this is in no way, shape or form a trade that the Browns, as far as we know, have offered to the Jaguars. This is just a scenario that Field Yates has thrown out there. Uh, I am in the mindset with you, Jay, as well, as far as Jan goes, I really, I can't see him sitting out in this money. But what worries me is what you told me earlier in the week is that he may be getting some bad advice from the wrong people. And I don't know if maybe you want to talk on that, but that's the part that kind of worries me. Yeah, I don't know that that's necessarily the case either, but it's a possibility. And, you know, that the potential of that also worries me as well. Now. Again, this very well could be a case of the Jacksonville Jaguars just being a bad front office, as we have seen in the past at times. Uh, But, yeah, when you say that, what I'm getting at is maybe the hole up is like the Jadavion Clowney situation where teams are just looking at the number that Yan wants and just saying it's simply too high. And we're just going to assume the $22 million a year is what he wants because, you know, I know I think it was Mike DeRocco that put that out there in a the report. And since Jan hasn't necessarily denied it, I know he was on ESPN NFL Live and he didn't say anything about that figure being wrong. So we're just going to stick with that. But maybe teams just feel that that number is too high and they're saying that, hey, we're not going to give up that and a pick. And that's holding up things. I mean, it's possible. I don't know if that's necessarily the case. But it could be, I guess, you know, just kind of looking at this thing from every aspect or all perspectives. Now, this is not to say that Yannick Ngakwe wanting or demanding $22 million a year is necessarily wrong. Because at the end of the day, you know, he put his blood, sweat and tears into this game. And if he feels like that's what he's worth, then, you know, that's fine. No, that's that's no big deal. But. If you're looking at a situation like the Jadavion Clowney situation where teams just aren't biting on that number and your agent isn't telling you to, hey, we maybe need to alter this approach, then maybe the agent is the issue is what I'm getting at. And, and I'm not even saying that's a scenario here, but I'm saying if that is the case and the agent isn't saying anything, then that's an issue probably. Uh, but, you know, we're not behind closed doors and we don't necessarily know and who's to say, by the way, that 
know, maybe the figure that Yan wants is the 22 million. And his agent, Ari Nassim, is saying maybe, you know, we do need to alter this approach and come down a million or two or whatever the case may be. Uh, that could be a possibility, too. So, you know, that's not just to say, you know, it falls on his agent. Maybe his agent is saying, let's alter this approach uh, again. We don't know. We're not behind the closed doors and we're not having these conversations. So that brings me to my next point, by the way. Which Ari is Yan's second agent. And the change in agent, basically, I think it happened in 2019 or it might have happened earlier in 2020, but it has moved the needle very little on this situation. And again, this could very well be more so on the Jacksonville Jaguars than anything else. But since he's changed agents and obviously he felt a change was needed uh, because he wanted to, he wouldn't have done it otherwise. But since he's changed agents, it still feels like we're back at square one and the needle hasn't moved very far on getting him a deal. So what if it's a case of him just not being able to find the right representation for his situation? You know, that maybe that's a possibility. I don't know. Another thing, too, by the way, is Ari Nassim was once with Rock Nation when Yan got with Ari. And he's no longer with them, to my knowledge, at least. And I think this kind of um came up earlier um in some Twitter conversations. But I went and looked on Rock Nation's site, and I don't think Yan is on there if i can recall correctly um i'll go back and look at that but he's no longer on their site and uh something to remember here is leonard fournette is also represented by rock nation and i think it was around february or whatever the case may be when it was assumed that ari left or departed or whatever the case may be just parted ways with rock nation leonard fournette went ahead and got another agent to remain with rock nation anyway i digress from the point though it was just kind of alarming that Ari left Rock Nation and that Yan, I guess, with him left Rock Nation as well, too, which that's just something worth worth noting that just happened out of the blue or whatever the case may be. Um, But in a nutshell, you know, all of this has just caused me to kind of wonder if it's possibly Yan and representation. That's the issue, just as well as it could be the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, front office just simply struggling to take care of players or whatever the case may be or heck maybe it's even both you know a mixture of both and what a catastrophe that would be but we simply don't know here but those were just some things that kind of popped in my head in terms of what could be the issue here yeah and whether that has to do with you know who he's currently represented by or maybe he's just locked in to this mindset we how do we know jay you know what i mean so we we are not sure i know that if we had it our way, of course, they would somehow come to terms to some kind of deal and understanding. But as the day gets closer and closer to that deadline, which correct me if I'm wrong, Jay, I believe is July 15th. It just doesn't seem that we're going to see Jan around anytime soon. But we're going to move on to our other primary topic here this week, you guys. And this one's going to be really, really interesting. So we're going to discuss which free agents after this season we think are going to be re-signed. And which do we think that maybe finding new homes next year with other teams? There are a lot of really interesting names on this list, Jay. I'm going to leave Yannick Ngakwe off of it for obvious reasons. But here are some of the names uh, as far as unrestricted free agents that are on the list for the Jaguars. We have Leonard Fournette, which we've talked about 
in depth uh, with a lot of people. We even mentioned it over on the Shant Club NFL this past weekend. DJ Hayden, who Jay, you have lauded as one of the top three nickels in the entire game. Keelan Cole, Chris Conley, Cam Robinson, D.D. Westbrook, Al Woods, Avery Jones, James O'Shaughnessy, and Trey Herndon are all on this list, along with some other names. But, Jay, I'm really interested to see where you go with this because I have some thoughts on it as well. So I'm going to let you have the floor first. Let's start with players that you think will most likely be back with the team next year, even after their unrestricted free agency begins. Yeah, so I'll say this with the uh, when you look at this unrestricted free agent class in general, to me, immediately is the number of receivers that see a lot of significant play time on this list. They got D.D. Westbrook, I know for a fact, and I'm going to put this in order by position. Uh, Keelan Cole, D.D. Westbrook and Chris Conley all are going to be free agents. And then that's not even including some of the guys that. Uh, that'll be exclusive right free agents like uh, CJ Board, Michael Walker and Terry Godwin, who I don't think like, you know, they've seen enough time on the field, if at all, for people to worry about them. But the first three that I mentioned, you know, those I think the Jacksonville Jaguars and I'm interested to hear what you got to say on this, have to resign at least one of those three receivers because they're one of their, you know, those guys are in the top three, top four of the depth chart in terms of receivers. Now, I don't think it's going to be D.D. Westbrook because I believe that D.D. Westbrook is going to have a uh, very, very good season under Jay Gruden and the way that Jay Gruden utilizes the slot position. And I think he's going to have such a good season to the point where, you know, somebody's going to pay him and the Jaguars are going to have plenty of money. Don't get me wrong, but somebody's going to pay him to be a starter caliber receiver somewhere else and they're going to snag him in that manner and the Jacksonville Jaguars basically aren't going to want to match that which I mean that's understandable and and you got to look at it from this perspective they just drafted LaVisca Chenault they also got Colin Johnson if Colin Johnson can you know kind of flash and show some things they'll be confident in him uh and they'll be confident in him enough to maybe get him some more reps and he'll be dirt cheap by the way and so will LaVisca as well you know you don't draft somebody in the second round and don't expect them to basically be a starter eventually. So I, I think when you combine all of those things together, I think Didi Westbrook will be out of there. Um, Keelan Cole is another guy. Like I don't, I just got this eerie feeling that the Colts, or not the Colts, but the uh, Indianapolis, or I'm sorry, the New England Patriots might look into him because they love those kind of speedy guys. Like he has a Chris Hogan vibe about him that Bill Belichick might try and put into that offense and. Maybe they extend camp, whatever the case may be. But, you know, Keelan Cole's a guy that's flashed sporadically at times throughout his career, but not enough for the Jaguars to throw like a lot of money at him. And I think like a lot of other teams are going to look at those sporadic spurts that he's shown and they'll probably somebody might try and like pay him to be a starter as well. Kind of like Didi. Uh, but I think he might exit in free agency in that manner. Now, that leads me with Chris Conley. I think if Chris Conley has a 1,000 yard, uh, a 1,000 yard year, I think the Jacksonville Jaguars have a lot to think about in terms of keeping him, and I think they would keep him, even though, as I mentioned, they just picked up Colin Johnson, uh, they just picked up Lavisca. Now Lavisca's versatile enough to move into the slot if need be. Now, as a second round pick, you probably want him to be on the perimeter uh, as a starter, but if need be, he can move into the slot maybe and 
like I said, if D.D. Westbrook is gone, then that slot spot will be opened up. But Chris Conley is the one that I'm I'm thinking, and it's not just because I'm a UGA fan, but if he has the season that I think he's capable of having and he can get rid of the drops that he had uh, this last season, I think he can be the guy that the Jacksonville Jaguars resign. I don't know, like, the terms or whatever, maybe three years or whatever, because I think he's, like, 28. So some along those lines, and that will give you, like, arguably, like, one of the most athletic, I guess you could say, receiving cores in football between him and Chark on the outside, and then maybe you got LaFisca in the slot. So uh, before I continue, I just want to hear your take on that. Yeah, I, I definitely have a fear that someone is going to pluck DD away, and I think that is a real possibility because he is just so such a dynamic receiver, and so you know he has big play ability. I I, I can definitely see that happening. Keelan Cole would be just a nightmare scenario going over to New England. And who knows how things pan out with Cam Newton over in New England. You know, maybe he has an excellent year and the Patriots manage to keep him. So, you know, you pair Keelan Cole up with a guy like a Cam Newton. I mean, I don't even want to think about it. I, I believe that what they would want to do is that LaVisca and Colin Johnson show enough growth that it if they do lose all three of these guys, then it softens the blow. You know, it's going to have to do a lot with how many reps, like you mentioned, is Colin Johnson going to get? LaVisca Chenault, we know they're going to move all over the field and they're going to utilize him quite often. Colin Johnson is a guy, you know, being drafted in the later rounds. He is not a good route runner. Uh, we, we, we know that. I know that as a Texas fan. He's a guy that's going to use his body to create space and go get the football. And I think ideally what they would like him to eventually be is to kind of, you know, really, really learn this season from a guy like a Chris Conley, who had a sneaky good year last year, right, Jay? He had some really big plays. He was relatively dependable pretty much throughout the entire season. And and Gardner seemed to really, really be um, fond of, of throwing it his way. Out of those three guys, I definitely think Chris Conley would be the one that sticks around. I would like it to be Didi. And for, you know, him, Chark and LaVisca to be the future of this team. And, you know, maybe they really, really like working with Keenan McCardell. And this is something that we brought up over the weekend over on Shant Club. They, you know, Keenan McCardell is the key to a lot of this. So who knows what kind of role that he plays. If I had to rank them as far as who stays and who goes, I'd probably say most likely is Chris Conley then Keelan and then Didi at the bottom because like you said I'm just worried that he's going to have too good of a season and he ha- and his tape is too good that someone is going to pay him money to be their second option somewhere alongside you know another top-notch receiver yeah yeah so we pretty much agree there and you know if people are throwing this uh you know we'll just throw a figure out they're kind of like the deal that Marquise Lee got or maybe uh Allen Robinson got to lead the Jags if they're throwing that kind of money at, you know, a guy like D.D. Westbrook, like the chances are the Jacksonville Jaguars are going to look at this situation and say, yeah, we got a lot of money, but we don't need to blow it like that. Or, or we need to learn from our mistakes of the past. And here we have this very affordable second round pick in uh, LaVisca that we could put out there who will be significantly cheaper or Colin Johnson for that matter. So that's what will probably come down uh, in terms of that category. Um, now, Tyler Eifert, Going down to the tight ends, he's a guy that, again, like I said, 
uh, earlier in the podcast, you know, their injury concerns. And he, I think this is a contract option on his deal. Like, so essentially he signed a two year deal, but they have the option to pick up the second year deal next year. And I mean, the reason for that, of course, is because of his injury history. So I think like, you know, if he balls out, you know, they'll pick it up. No question without a shadow of a doubt. And he plays relatively 13 to 14 games, you know, and he kind of sheds the concerns about his injuries. Then, yeah, they'll probably pick him up. And, and you know, of course, he'll have to be productive with that. But if he is injured and he misses, you know, seven, eight games or something like that, uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars could decide to go elsewhere with that, kind of like they did with Austin Safarian Jenkins, if I'm not mistaken. They had him on a similar deal in terms of the contract options. So I, I think that's what they'll look at with him. And by the way, you know, Eifert will be at 30, the big 3-0 at that point. So that's something to consider there. So his health is going to be key. Uh, but if I had to guess, just, you know, I think last year was like one of two seasons or, or, or maybe one of his whole career that uh, Eifert played the whole season or played 16 games or 15 games at the least. So it's not really common for this man to play in most of the games or, or all of the games. So that'll be something to watch. Uh, so I'm going to swing that one back over to you before I continue on that. Like, are you like in cohesion with me on that? Or do you think he'll be a guy that they might keep around? I believe if Josh Oliver has the season that I think we, we somewhat expect him to, I don't think they keep Tyler Eifert around. Also, as you mentioned, you know, he is going to be 30. He is a guy that has a extensive injury history. But then again, maybe he just needs a little bit of career resurgence, which I think we'll get to as far as one of the guys that we're going to discuss here momentarily. I think outside of him playing all 16 games, or at least 15, I think is what you mentioned. I think unless he plays all 15, 16 games and has close to somewhere between seven to eight touchdowns and you know proves to be like a good third down guy, red zone guy, I don't think I see him back unless for some reason uh, Coach Gruden, you know, vouches for him. Maybe he's a guy that wants to keep him around. And but given that I think Josh Oliver is going to have a good year, I, I definitely don't think that Tyler Eifert will be around next year. Yeah, I have concerns for him, too. So uh, that was one of the guys I highlighted on here. So continuing on the offense now, Cam Robinson, that's one of the big question marks, too. And he can win. Uh, he can earn himself a lot of money by, uh, you know, showing up this year. And, uh, you know, because he's been up and down, he's been sporadic. He's been kind of hot and cold, albeit, you know, you can make the argument that he's been a a, a pretty solid uh, run blocker. Uh, it's just some things that show up in, in terms of, you know, pass uh, blocking. So this is a guy, I'm uh, and again, I'm not all that confident that he'll be back uh, because, you look at it, and and I do get it. Now it's a chance he could be back because the Jaguars have shown this this willingness to keep Lyman that they shouldn't for longer than they should. So you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't doubt it from that perspective if he has a decent season. But I don't think Cam Robinson is going to be around because you look at what left tackles make, and on top of that, I think with Cam Robinson, I think like he could be somebody who maybe I mean, and I think this could affect me. You have talked about this. In general, it could affect the whole team in general, not having, you know, a regular offseason. Uh, I think that could affect any chances he had, albeit, you know, I'm not saying he's sitting at home doing nothing and not working out. But, um, you know, it's going to be it's probably going to be a different setup in terms of training camp. So he's not going to maybe be able to prepare like he normally would 
during a normal training camp and so on and so forth. And I think that's going to hurt him going into the season. Uh, but, you know, nonetheless, I think, you know, they would like to keep him because they invested a second round picking him. They're hoping he could get where he needs to be. But another thing to consider there is like, you know, they're talking about him being in competition with Will Richardson heading into this year. So that's telling, ladies and gentlemen, that's a very telling thing that he's in competition with what a fourth round pick when he was drafted to be a second round pick in the future left tackle of this franchise. So that's concerning that they've had, they feel like they have to put some competition there. So I guess uh, before I go to the next one, I'll, I'll flip that one off to you as well and get your take on that. I think about what you said there as far as for some reason, this team has the has shown that they keep people around longer than they should have. And I think, of course, what I immediately thought of was AJ can, you know, for some reason he has stuck around. So begrudgingly, I do think he will be back, albeit maybe it's not a whole lot of money because I just don't think he's very good, honestly. And, And yeah, like you said, he does flash in the run game, but that's not what you drafted him for, especially if you want to keep 15 healthy, then an upright, of course, in what's going to be, you know, a really, really important season for him. Then he needs to be better at what he was drafted to come do. So I think ultimately, unfortunately he will be back, but also it may depend on, you know, where we're drafting when it comes next year, who knows if we have a disastrous season I don't know. I have not admittedly have not looked at any of the offensive line prospects. I don't know, Jay, if you can speak on that, if there's anybody that really flashes or stands out. But ultimately, I think what you like to do, if you find yourself in a position where you can draft, where you're drafting somebody really high, that you're going to be able to take one of those quarterbacks and not have to worry about the offensive line. But a lot of those things go hand in hand. You know what I mean? If, if I think if Gardner Minshew is having a good season, I think that means his his offensive line is having a good season. But like you said, that may not even be him when we finally get down to playing games. And maybe Will Richardson, it may be somebody else. But I think ultimately he will be back, but only because for some reason this front office tends to keep people around longer than they should. Another question I'm going to ask you, and you kind of mentioned it yourself. A key thing that I forgot to mention, and it hit me when you were talking about it, is the front office. Like you said, yeah, if they are around, it's a good chance that he could come back but if we're looking at a new front office and a new regime I think that definitely hurts his chances to come back because chances are if they get fired and I'm a I guess you would feel me on this if they get fired chances are Cam Robinson didn't have a good season protecting him Gardner Minshew's blind side when you agree with that exactly like I said with Gardner's success and the offensive line success goes hand in hand so if Gardner didn't have a good year I don't think it would solely be on him. A lot of it would probably have to do with his protection. Right, right, right. So moving on uh, to, uh, I guess I'll talk on Fournette a little bit. Me, I mean, we've talked on him enough, but I'll just be kind of brief with that. Simply put, as me and Phil have said, I just think he needs a change of scenery uh, in terms of, you know, getting out of the Jacksonville Jaguars organization. I mean, there's been reports. I think it was, yeah, it was Mike Garofolo. You know, and we, you know, these are things that have been whispered even before Garofolo reported it this year. But, you know, there were people saying that he doesn't see eye to eye with coaches and that, you know, he's late to meetings or he he falls asleep in meetings and, and this, that and the other. So it's like it's more so the classroom stuff that is probably irritating just from uh from the coaching standpoint and from what we heard from the reports. It's probably those things that 
uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars will probably end up letting Leonard Fournette go, you know, because he very well could have another 1,000 yards season or something close to what he had last year or maybe in his rookie year. And I think like it's still a possibility that they'll still let him go. And and one thing that I mentioned in uh, one of the articles, I think it was the uh, the article I did on the six most important free agents is this. For the Jacksonville Jaguars, if you look or just look in the league in general, you look at the top guys that, uh, you know, in terms of rushing last year in 2019. And I think of the nine guys that were 1,000 yard receivers or 1,000 yard rushers, should I say, six of them weren't even drafted in the first round. And I think the Jacksonville Jaguars are well aware of that. I, I think the whole league is well aware of that. And I think we're moving to a league where people aren't going to really want to draft running backs high or draft running backs in the first round, uh, so to speak. Although people still do it. That's not to say that it's something that, you know, we don't see. I know Clyde Edwards Hilaire was one of them. But that again, that was almost a second round pick. That was the last pick of the first round, you know. So I think the trend heading forward is going to be taking running backs in the second round and back. And I think the Jacksonville Jaguars will look at that and consider that. And, you know, if Leonard Fournette has a good season, they're not going to want to pay him what he wants in an extension as opposed to looking at somebody in the draft and getting somebody significantly cheaper at a, at a position where they probably could hit on outside of the first round. Um, so, I guess I, I'll, I'll swing it back to you real quick. How do you feel on that? I, I'm sure you agree with it because this is pretty much something we've echoed throughout our whole time with the Believe in Jags podcast. Right. And it's something that Andrew from the Jags War, who we talked with over the weekend as well, he disagreed with the standpoint that we he, he feels he felt like it would be a mistake to let him go. Now, I've I think barring some kind of historic season, Jay, where they would not be able to justify letting him walk. And he's gone because of all the things that you just said. Why would you pay, you know, a guy who admittedly does have a lot of uh, a lot of miles on him? You know, it's, it's not like they don't utilize him in the offense. They do quite a bit. And because of his running style, you know, why would you invest that kind of money when you could probably get equal production, if not better production from somebody next season that you can you can then draft you know we've talked about it even though this front office comes under fire quite a bit and it and deservedly so they have found a a nice you know um, ability to locate guys in the later rounds that you know outplay where they were where they were drafted where they were selected so i definitely think fournette is gone and i know a lot of fans are going to be upset about that. Uh, I know that he has been very active in the community since the Black Lives Matter movement has started, and and that's great. But you know, some of those things that you mentioned, you know, as far as him missing meetings and maybe not being just maybe not being one hundred percent interested in football. You know, maybe there's something there. Maybe he just you know it doesn't love the game as as much as he should or as much as we think. But yeah, I definitely don't think he's going to be around for the long haul because financially it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And for football reasons, you know, he may just need, like you said, a, a change of scenery. Right. Right. And again, just to reiterate, you know, that's stuff that we've, you know, that has reportedly been put out there in terms of, is it, like I said, it's a lot of the classroom related stuff 
that keeps coming up in reports. That's not something that we are reporting. Uh, so yeah. Um, and, and like you said, man, like it immediately came to my mind. Uh, we were sitting there in the second round and I think that he got snagged up before the Jazz could get him, but you know, just to kind of show people like how you can get good running backs in the second round, Jonathan Taylor was available in the second round. And he's a guy that I was like, you know what? The Jaguars need to probably jump on that. And they have this tradition of trading up in the second round, like routinely under Dave Caldwell. They've done it several, several times. It's like their thing in the draft, literally. And I was hoping they maybe trade up for him, you know, and, and grab him because of the uncertainty with Fournette. Uh, but unfortunately, he went to the Colts. Who DeAndre who Swift was there, too, I believe. Yeah, DeAndre Swift. It was a lot of those guys. Like the running back position was looking uh, pretty good when you look at uh, the the second round of this draft. And we were on video chat watching it unfold, but it was looking pretty good. So maybe it's a scenario in this year's draft. I'll have to look at the class where, you know, it's looking similar uh, in the second round. And, you know, maybe the Jacksonville Jaguars at that point next year, They'll be, you know, free agency will be over. Leonard Fournette will be gone. They'll be good in good position to get a running back in the second round. They have done it before with TJ Yeldon. So, you know, I wanted to throw that out there. And something you also mentioned that I want to touch on, too, is, uh, you know, you mentioned his running style as well. And the reason I want to touch on that is because I feel like his running style is what partly his been a part of his struggles you look at his running style and some people might disagree with me on this but I think his running style has changed since college uh to the pros whereas in the pros he was running through people he literally choked slam one dude uh in one game I, I know we all seen the highlights or whatever the case may be I forget what I think that might have been Auburn or somebody he literally like choked slammed the guy into the ground and he had such a violent running style in at LSU and he ran through so many tacklers now you know, to me, on sometimes on film, it looks like he's not sure if he wants to run through a guy or whatever the case may be. Like, he doesn't have that streak where, you know, he's just this, like, bulldozer anymore. And I think that's what has hurt him in the league. And maybe, you know, it's because in his rookie year he had he dealt with injuries, right? Maybe that's why it's kind of changed. But, you know, last year I didn't really see that mean Fournette that, for the most part, that, you know, we've seen run through guys and just kind of terrorize the um, SEC. I don't know if that was something that you kind of noticed, Phil. I want to get your take on that. But I think that has hurt him. He's not the violent guy that he used to be, and he doesn't hit the holes like he used to at times. And and maybe his rookie season attributed to that. Yeah, and you think about the, that clip of him against the Steelers, I believe it was. Remember when he's inviting that contact where he's like, come on, let's, you know, let's do this, you know, hit me. And you just have not seen that in a long, long time. I, I agree with you there. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we kind of digress from the point, but, you know, that was something that I was I was watching some film the other day and I was like, yeah, this don't look like the same Leonard Fournette that we drafted, at least. But, you know, maybe he brings that back and, you know, maybe he redeems himself. And maybe, like Phil said, we're looking at him getting an extension if he just has this like monumental season and so on and so forth. But going back to the list here, um, I think uh, DJ Hayton. I got two more that I want to mention, and uh, DJ Hayden is one of them. Like you said, I've, you know, kind of praised him as a top three to four uh, cornerback or nickelback in football. Uh, but, you know, with this draft that we just had in 2020, the theme or one of the things was kind of like in the later rounds, they got guys that could potentially replace some starters that they have that, you know, are making 
a, a sizable amount of money. And in the fourth round, especially, you know, you got Josiah Scott, who they got, who could be a nickel back, who most, you know, while he did play on the boundary on the outside in college, uh, you know, most project him due to his size to be more of a nickel back type of guy. So I think like they took that pick um, with, you know, letting DJ Hayden go next year in mind. And I mean, like you just look at that, that round in general, the fourth round, Ben Barch, the trend there, you know, you, you look at what they were saying about him. It sounds like they want to play him at guard. They probably are looking at him to replace AJ can, or maybe even Andrew Norwell, but I think it's more so AJ can. Um, so that was, you know, another guy that they kind of got to do the same thing, you know, Shaq Quarterman, who, you know, albeit, you know, he's limited in coverage and so on and so forth. Who's to say he's not a replacement for Miles Jack down the road when Miles Jack doesn't cost the Jaguars a, a huge cap hit to let go, whatever the case may be. So, you know, maybe he's a guy that fits that mold as well. Real curious to hear your take on Hayden, though. And this is another thing, Jay, that you did mention over the weekend uh, when we were um, when we were with Shant Club is. Eventually, for DJ Hayden, if you want to hang on to him, you're going to have to pay him again. And I, I just don't think that they're going to do that, seeing as they clearly drafted his replacement this, you know, this past draft. And in that conference call with Daniel Jeremiah that we were fortunate enough to get on right before the draft, Jay, he talked about Josiah Scott. Somebody asked him specifically. He was the highest rated player coming out of Michigan State, seven interceptions. And he said that he was a day one starting nickel very instinctive uh very very fluid able to find the ball locate the football you don't draft that guy and then also keep dj hayden around to pay him you know what i'm saying josiah scott is the guy that they want to step in at nickel next year yeah yeah and you you're right and i kind of said this on shant club about ben barch now that you mention it he fits the mold as well ben barch is a guy that i thought would have went in the third round you don't draft a guy that Essentially, yeah, while he came from a small school, he basically slid to the Jacksonville Jaguars in the fourth round. You know, he should have been maybe a late third round pick or whatever the case may be. And I kind of digress from the point here. But, yeah, I think he also replaces A.J. Ken, as I have already said. But, yeah, you don't draft those kind of guys. You don't get those guys that are um, that are taken or, or that fall to you kind of. Uh, when they should have been taken higher. You don't get those guys just to let them sit on the bench for three or four years or whatever the case may be. So I absolutely agree with you. So uh, moving on to the last person that I want to mention, and it's Dewan Smoot, who will be a free agent. And the, the interesting thing about Dewan Smoot is, you know, last year his production went up. Uh, this year it might go up as well. Uh, we we are keeping Todd Watch. We're keeping the same system in place essentially from how it sounds uh, maybe they throw some wrinkles in there, uh, as me and Phil has, have talked about, and maybe they surprise some people. But, uh, you know, Dewan Smoot is a guy that, you know, with Yannick and Gakwe situation, and, and if Yannick doesn't come, that's more snaps for Dewan Smoot to take alongside, you know, Josh Allen and uh, Kayla Von Chason as well. And, you know, he could really make some noise uh, from that rotational role or whatever the case may be, because, he, I mean, he he had spurts last year, as well. And, you know, that's a guy that maybe I think they look at and say, yeah, we could resign this guy. You know, I don't think like the market will be too ridiculous for him. Then again, he plays defensive end. You know, he gets five, six sacks. People are willing to pay for five or six sacks nowadays and throw the bank at somebody. But if, you know, if it's reasonable, I think they can probably, they might probably look to keep him 
um, on this list. So I think those are the two that I'm really looking at right now is is him. And I think um, Chris Conley are the two that I think like I'm eyeing the most that I feel like might be back. And then, you know, some of the lower tier guys, some of the guys on the bottom of the roster because they'll be kind of cheap. But, yeah, I, I think those may be the two guys they keep. Uh, Trey Herndon, by the way. But the thing about Trey Herndon, he's probably not going anywhere because he will be a restricted free agent. Uh, and the Jaguars can, um, you know, afford to pay him uh, whatever the case may be to extend him. So I'm not really worried about Trey Herndon. And I actually do think Trey Herndon can have a better season. But that's granted if the pass rush is there. You know, I have concerns that the pass rush isn't there. I mean, I have concerns for any cornerback. But. You know, that was one other guy that you mentioned on there. But, yeah, those are the guys that I think will come back. And in other words, you know, it could be a scenario where we're looking at a lot of overturn or we're looking at the Jacksonville Jaguars getting a lot of guys from free agency and the draft and making a run next year. I believe ideally you would like Dewan Smoot to be part of, you know, a rotation. You know, of course, that includes Josh Allen and Caleb on chase on. You definitely hope that Caleb on is, you know, shows a lot of growth this year and that may be as we've already talked about in the absence of Yannick Ngakwe. I know Dewan Smoot is also a really, really big fan favorite as well. You know, Jay, he's been, it feels like he's been around for so long, but we just haven't seen him that much. But when we do, he does flash and he does show that potential. So I personally, just from a fan standpoint, would absolutely love to see him back. Uh, whether or not that happens, you know, we'll see because like you just mentioned, you know, teams will put a premium on on potential. So if he flashes and, you know, puts some good tape out there, somebody might throw some good money at him. And, and as we have already mentioned also at the top of this segment, the Jags are going to have some money, but, you know, maybe they want to throw it around elsewhere. But I definitely do hope that Dewan Smoot will be back. But I'm with you, Joe. I think there's going to be a lot of turnover uh, as far as this roster, especially depending on how they perform. Now, we're going to talk about it in, in a future episode as far as how we think this team is going to perform. But we did also mention it over the weekend that this this team may be a little bit better than, you know, what some are expecting. And, you know, a lot of these articles are coming out with, you know, the, the worst roster in the league or projecting us to go three and 13 things. Like that. I just don't see the team being that bad, ultimately, because I would like to have one of those top tier quarterbacks here next year that would, you know, I would like that. I wouldn't like it to happen, but it would be in favor of that happening, I guess I should say. But, you know, there's a, but I do think there is going to be quite a bit of, quite a bit of turnover. One guy that I would love to have a really good season and see him back, Jay, would be Chris Thompson. I would love to see him stay healthy and, you know, really, really flash and him be able to stick around. Uh, but again, another guy that, just like Tyler Eifert, a guy that, you know, has a lot to prove because of his his injury history there. But that's it for this topic here and, and this week's episode. You guys, we really, really appreciate, again, all of the support. You know, what do you guys think? Who would you like to see stick around? We Oh, you know what, Jay? Before we go, let's discuss the poll uh, really quick. Well, we're not going to get in too much depth with it, but we did put out a poll after last week's episode about uh, a trade possibly involving Jamal Adams. Uh, the question was, should the Jaguars make an offer to the Jets for Jamal Adams? That includes Yannick Ngakwe in trade compensation. No surprise here, Jay. That ended with 72% yes and 28% no. I'm interested to see what the 28% thinks uh, as far as why that wouldn't be a favorable trade for us. And then the other question was, should the Jaguars be interested in signing Colin Kaepernick? That ended with a 49% yes 
51%. No, very, very close there. So, Jay, really quick before we get out of here, what did you think about the results that we saw from the two polls we put out last week? Yeah, I think, you know, they were pretty accurate with what we were suspecting. You know, we were kind of thinking that Colin Kaepernick, at least I was, I forgot what you said, but I was expecting the Colin Kaepernick thing to be 50-50. Some people, you know, again, just kind of what we touched on on the last podcast, you know, some people thought it was going to be a a bigger ratio towards the no um, and and, and more, you know, away from the the midpoint or whatever the case may be. But like Phil said, man, like there are some people that wouldn't mind Colin Kaepernick in Jacksonville, more people than you would think. So that one didn't really surprise me that it was closer to that 50 50 ratio. And of course, you know, I think like with Yan, it's just a case of people are just kind of fed up and they're just ready to move on. So, I mean, not only that, but Jamal Adams, as I said in the last podcast, is a really good player, too. So, you know, to trade him for Adams, you know, that would be great. And I figured that was going to be the case in terms of the results that we got there. Yeah, same here. And we really, really appreciate you guys that participated and also retweeted those polls. So we'll put out another poll here this week in terms of free agency and, and also maybe what you guys think about that potential trade that was thrown out there by field Yates. So Jay, we're going to get out of here, but before we go, uh, if you want to let everybody know in our audience, uh, what they have to look forward to as far as the podcast, but also over on the website, the Jaguars wire. Yeah, man, we're really just going to prepare people because we are in the month of training camp. Now we're going to prepare people for training camp and the storylines heading into training camp and kind of monitor the Jaguars move heading into that point, try and get you all some guests for the podcast. Um, and as I've been promising, I'm going to get to it eventually, but I'm going to get to the defensive side in terms of the depth chart predictions, uh, especially with the, uh, like I said, with training camp coming up. So I'll be able to knock that out in a week and some change. I might ask Daniel to help me out on that. The offense side is already up. So I just kind of want to finish that series up and yeah, maybe we can get some people in here. Like I said, to talk training camp with us as well. Uh, we're going to have Eric on next week. Shout outs to Eric. Shout outs to the Wait For It podcast. Can't wait for that to give you guys some bold takes. And uh, yeah, man, that's pretty much it. Yeah, guys. Well, again, before we get out of here, want to make sure that if you are enjoying the show and just remind you, head over to Apple Podcasts, subscribe and leave us a five star review. That's one of the best ways you can support the show. Along with Apple Podcasts, we are also on Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary and TuneIn. And of course, we're on Believe.com as part of the Believe Library. And you can also find us at Believe Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. You can find myself on social media, Twitter, Phil the Filipino, F-I-L-I-P-I-N-O. Jay is over at SportsGrind underscore Don. And the podcast Twitter page is Believe in Jags Pod. So thank you guys so much for joining us for this episode. This has been the Believe in the Jaguars podcast right here on the Believe Podcast Network. We certainly believe. Do you? We'll see you next time, you guys. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.